0: Hello, this is Dan Farisi, Editor-in-Chief of Commercial Integrator, and I want to welcome you to AV Plus, the podcast for the commercial AV integration industry. This week we're talking esports. It's a tremendous opportunity for commercial AV integrators, but it has to be approached the right way. It might be a little bit out of the box. And this time we're going to be talking to an esports expert to figure out exactly how integrators can benefit from the esports revolution. Specifically, we're going to be talking to Stephen Haywood, who is broadcast engineer and product evangelist with PTZ Optics. And he's going to share exactly how he believes AV integrators can profit and benefit from eSports. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, please like and subscribe to our YouTube page and please subscribe to the AV Plus podcast on Apple and on Spotify. So happy to be joined today by Stephen Haywood, who is broadcast engineer and product evangelist with PTZ Optics. Thank you so much for joining me, Stephen. I really appreciate it.
1: Hey, man, it's great to be here. I'm glad I, glad I could join you here.
0: So we're talking about eSports today. It is definitely a huge growth area that commercial integrator and the integrators who read us and follow our platforms have been paying a lot of attention to. From uh, venues like you know eSports Arena of Las Vegas, which opened a few years ago to seeing eSports teams and other kind of activities on college campuses. it's just something that is a, a real growth opportunity and I think integrators are trying to get an idea. Of how they can contribute to it. So, we're gonna get into a lot of the, you know, the integrator play in various ways, but first, can you share some of your observations about esports, its rise, its degree of popularity, and kind of uh, not even necessarily how integrators can marshal it, but just the idea of how big the opportunity is, how popular esports have become?
1: Yeah, I mean, before the pandemic and and everything was going. It, I mean, esports was on the rise, and then it kind of slowed down. It kind of took a, a backseat, if you will, just like most stuff. Um, but now we're seeing it ramp back up. At least here in uh, Northeast Ohio, I'm seeing more and more schools getting involved in the esports uh, arena because not all these kids want to play, you know, physical sports. They want to get out there, and a lot of them are really good at some of the games that are being played you know, Smash Brothers, Overwatch, uh, Fortnite, uh, different, different games like that. So it's great to see a lot of these, these uh, schools getting on board and at least investigating the opportunity that's at hand.
0: I mean, I've, I've even heard people talk about like uh, esports maybe becoming an Olympic kind of a thing at some point, people are really identifying just how incredible the skill set is for someone to be like a Fortnite whiz. Yep.
1: Well, and, and so my son, who's really good at Fortnite, I play with him and a couple of his buddies. Uh, it's more or less something that I can do with the kids and stuff. And, but they're, they're playing um, to compete. They want to get into where they can get ranked within Fortnite to um, our local mall. I shouldn't say it's local. It's about a half hour away, but it is kind of local. They have a, uh, I, I want to call it a game mall within the store where they have it set up to where you can compete against other people in the mall where you go you sit down you pay for whatever however many hours and then they also hold esport tournaments inside that store within the mall so that seeing that over the last couple months open up was eye opening to me that you know there's kids lined up they want to get in there because YouTube and Twitch has made it to a point where you can make this a career if you're good at your craft right it's like anything. Yeah,
0: it's got it definitely gone a long way since my days as a five or a six year old playing Super Mario Brothers.
1: <laughs> <It is. laughs> you, you me both, my brother. I'm saying like I'm sitting here and I'm playing Mario. and The kids are like, what is that? You know, I'm like, that's a game of like, oh, man, this was this was the best game uh, that came out before Mario three. I mean, it was this is what we played.
0: Absolutely. Um, So obviously, as we've talked about before we went live, you know, commercial integrator is focused really on those those fixed install venues. And I know that's not what we're here to talk about today. But a lot of our integrator uh, listeners are going to be thinking to themselves. um, So eSports is growing, it is recovering even from the, the pandemic and becoming even bigger than it once was. What is my play here? What is my angle? So I guess my question would be, again, recognizing we're not going to be talking about venues per se during this call, a lot of integrators these days are trying to figure out if I'm not going to be a product reseller, if margins aren't as as strong as they once were, how can I sell my knowledge? How can I sell my services? In the purview of esports that you're familiar with, for a third-party integrator that's looking to sell services and knowledge and wisdom and expertise, what could they do? What is the opportunity for people listening to this podcast?
1: So one of the things that I would suggest is, um, pay attention to your market, understand your market, because if you, if you look at this, any gamer that you look at or anybody that's doing esports they don't want to spend a lot of money where they are going to put money into is their camera and their microphone or their headset or whatever they're using. Um, if you can't get in there and research the market and find what you can, uh, OBS. You can find different tools that are out there that you could sell as your expertise to where you could put together a system that looks as good as something that you would see on TV for next to nothing or even free. And I think that's, that's what a lot of these individuals, uh, they don't have that kind of a knowledge. So if you're an integrator and you can sell that to a client, to a customer, that makes you valuable because you've done all the research. You've, figured out how this stuff works together. Even in my own studio, I have tons of gear uh, that I use uh, in live production that are thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in in broadcasting gear that traditional media uses. When I started building the set that you're seeing right now, I wanted to keep it fairly cheap and expensive because I wanted to be able to use this um, as something that I could show potential customers, uh, show potential, uh, integrators that, Hey, you can do this without spending a lot of money or doing it free using tools that are out there. Um, and I think if you put your attention and focus, especially coming off of COVID, people are going to be catching up. This is where you're going to excel in. I think that is something that I think a lot of the market is going to miss. They're going to go right back to the way they were doing things pre pandemic and they're going to find out it's not going to work.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that that's a really important message. And I see that across, you know, verticals and across, you know, technology categories the commercial integrator covers, this idea of the new normal or the the Mm -hmm. reimagined normal, the idea that we cannot simply go back to the way things were in 2018 or 2019 and imagine that that's going to be germane or or appropriate to 2022 and beyond. Do you feel like there's some resistance? I mean, I don't know how how often you speak to integrators, but broadly in society, do you feel like people are still kind of pining for a society that no longer exists or a Paradigm that no longer exists?
1: I I think people are still holding on to uh, the fact that things are gonna get back to normal. What we deemed as normal pre-pandemic, but I I hate to say and be the bearer of bad news, but there is no going back to normal. It's like anything in history, everything changes, right? Uh, There is that, and I hate to use the word new normal, but this is the new normal. Uh, Companies are finding out that people can work from home People are are diligent at home. People are getting more work done at home. Uh, they're finding out that eSports, people don't need to congregate in one building to do this. They can do it from their home as long as they have the quality and as long as they have the connections and the tools necessary to do this. I mean, I, I look at uh, uh, Northeast Ohio. Uh, before the pandemic, or right around 2021, there were over 100 schools that were registered uh, for eSports within like seven different games, okay? Hmm. As as time's progressing here, going into 2022, I'm expecting, and based on what I'm seeing with numbers and what people are saying, to almost double or even triple that because of the exploration of utilizing people in their location. Mm -hmm. That is gonna open up doors unimaginable because no longer are, you remember the days of college having land parties, right? Where you you Bring your Xboxes, you plug into a LAN. Um, I think the days of that are being over. It's going to be you in your location, me in my location, and other people in their locations, and that's how it's going to happen.
0: So given that uh, the trend seems to be, as you say, toward people being in their location, does that mean that the technology need not be quite as robust because it's not a shared kind of an environment that requires a certain degree of horsepower or something of that nature? Describe what the technological needs are in this reimagined esports world, because whether it's an integrator doing it as a reseller or an Mm -hmm. integrator or a designer, whatever the case is, or whether it's something that people are largely doing on their own you know, what are the camera requirements? What are the network requirements? What are the data requirements, the audio requirements?
1: So I think, you know, you're going to a more scaled down traditional setup where you would do a simple live stream, right? So you have your, depending on what quality, I mean, people are moving more and more toward 4K. Uh, I don't know necessarily see them streaming right now in 4K, but more recorded content. But for say 1080p, you need at least eight megabits up available to you uh, to stream something like that, Uh, a simple, USB microphone or headset, kind of like what you're wearing, you know, that would work. Uh, Cameras are really going to be dependent upon what you need to do. Now, obviously, I use the PTZ optics camera, and that's because, for those that don't know, it's a pan, tilt, zoom camera. It allows me to maneuver the camera with presets without having a camera operator. I can essentially point and move it. So let's say I'm playing the first hour by myself, but then I bring somebody in next to me because there's a TV next to me. I can then reframe that camera and make it so it shows both of us and streaming out. So the requirements using OBS, something open broadcaster software, which is free, there's a lot of plugins for Twitch and for other platforms like Restream.io, which allows you to stream to multiple platforms in the cloud, is all in a free piece of software. If you're an integrator and you're not familiar with OBS, you need to get familiar with it. That is something that somebody that is remote would pay you for that knowledge to give them a list and say, you need this. And then you come in and configure it for them, remote into the machine, you know, with Google remote or team or something like that, set it up for them, setting them up for success um, to be able to switch. I mean, I use a stream deck here that I can switch. My most expensive items are my camera, my microphone, and probably the stream deck. And the stream deck's only 300 bucks. Mm-hmm. So if you have good audio, you have good video. Everything else kind of just falls into place. Um, but when you're not on location, see when you when you show up on location for esports, that's all set up ahead of time. You come in, you sit down, you start playing. When you're when you're remote, that all changes because now you, the player, also have to be the guy that has to be technical, has to make sure his setup is streamlined and and it's and it's working properly. So being able to give as an integrator, your customer, that kind of information is invaluable. That's, that's going to set you above any other uh, integrator out there on the market because they're going to hold on to that in person. They, they're not going to want to let it go.
0: So you had mentioned a moment or two ago that if an integrator is not familiar with OBS, they really need to be. What would yes. be the way to do that? Is there a, a resource that you would provide? Because this may be something that's largely or completely unfamiliar to at least some of our audience. What would be the way to do that?
1: So oh, if you go to OBSproject.com, that's the website for OBS, uh, Open Broadcaster Software, Um, you can go there, learn all about it, download a trial. It's for Mac and PC. Um, I believe they even have a Linux version of it. Um, and so you can go in there and they have different modules that you can install based on what your need is uh, for it. So as an integrator in this new norm, we'll call it, uh, in the remote world, you need to familiarize yourself with that because if, if you're going to give, uh, if a gamer has a budget or an eSports player has a budget that they're starting out my recommendation to the integrators is to push them more toward a good microphone or a good headset and a good camera. Because if you can't be seen and you can't be heard clear, you know, it it, it really doesn't matter at that point. Um, you can add all the flashy graphics and all the, you know, the the Twitch notifications, but if your audio sounds like you're talking out of a trash can and and your video looks like you're underwater, It really doesn't it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. and nobody's going to take you serious as an integrator or as a player. Right.
0: So, you know, you're in the trenches of the esports world and you definitely know of what you speak. So uh, one thing I think that might have pricked up some of the ears of integrators who are listening to this is what you talked about, about the idea of moving more toward a remote. Uh, atmosphere where people are engaging in eSports from their own environment, even from their home, not necessarily going to you know a third party venue or some kind of an out of home experience in a communal sense. and you know that might might strike fear in the heart to some extent of an integrator especially who thinks well I want to you know hang video walls and install sound systems and things like that. I want to capture eSports in the way that I know, which is to go to an out of home venue and to do a million dollar installation of video and sound and all of those kinds of things. Um, do you feel like given the pandemic, a lot of times people are saying, well, like, I crave the out of home experience. I want to go yeah. to a Broadway show, or I want to go to a theme park. I've been in my home, my own, you know, kind of castle for two years. Why do you feel like that's not the case? Why is that not the case with esports? Why are people not clamoring to go out of their homes again?
1: Well, I, I don't think it's something that they're not clamoring to do. I think, I think there are people that want to get out, but I, but I also think that, expense plays into in into this equation right which we haven't you know kind of gotten into you know we're seeing gas prices are going up you know the airlines they were down for so long because of the pandemic that they had to increase their prices to travel so you got fuel going up you've got uh, you know plane tickets going up um mm-hmm. unless you're being paid to travel unless somebody's footing the bill for it People are more reluctant these days to to do that unless it's like a half an hour drive or an hour drive to get in the car like they don't want to, I mean we saw E3, E3's gone all, all virtual, it's not coming back in person, that's the biggest gaming expo that's out there, and they're like no, we, we've we accomplished more online than we've done in person, mm-hmm. and so you're see, starting to see trade shows rolling that way, and I think with the technology that's at hand right now, now's the time if you're an integrator, you need to start moving in that direction. Don't get me wrong. You still are going to have those in-person events, but they might not be as, uh, you know, happening as much as they were pre-pandemic. You might get six a year or maybe 12 a year, once a month, where before there might have been four, five a month, uh, depending on your location and, you know, uh, where it's prevalent. Unless it's in the school where you know, even these kids, they're gonna send them home. They're gonna be like, hey, you know, um, a lot of these gaming systems, like you see the the tables behind me, they're introducing pinball tournaments for esports where the the there's digital pinball, but they're creating these lobbies that I can play with people through all out the world that own that pinball machine and play against them in an esports capacity uh, weekly leagues. That you can do and then you get rewarded and there's cash prizes and there's uh you know all these different options they're really gearing these systems and these these uh, games to be that way to mm-hmm. where you know if you're going to stick with the old method of 100 in person you're going to be left in the dust as a as an integrator mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, recognizing your, your PTZ Optics organizational affiliation, I'll, I'll set aside cameras for a moment, but are there certain brands or certain products that have become like the de facto standards in esports or are there really no de facto standards for microphones or anything like that? Is it kind of a mishmash of different folks, different strokes for different folks?
1: I, I think it's different strokes for different folks. Um, I personally, I, I personally like to use the type of microphone that I'm using. It's a dynamic microphone. Which allows me to talk i have to talk right down the barrel and i have to be like three to four inches away to have a really good sound uh other options are a condenser microphone which essentially picks up all around the microphone but with that comes picking up extra noise so if you're on location if you are doing an esports tournament in front of everybody you know and being in person Condenser microphone's not necessarily good, or if you have kids or if you have uh, other people in the house and you're hearing every creak and and noise in the house, you don't want a condenser microphone. Mm -hmm. Um, Headphones, obviously, uh, when I'm playing, I wear headphones uh, to to hear the game sounds, more so in any chat that I'm doing. Um, But something simple is what you have. Just a headset with a mic works as long as it's good audio and you can get it out. Um, But as far as even cameras go, really depends on what you're showing and what you're trying to show like when i do any kind of playing with the game tables back there i have a camera mounted to the ceiling because mm-hmm. it doesn't allow me to capture the video of the pinball um, that i will frame up inside of the video software that i have obs put me next to it and have the table and then you know the back box with the score on it so that you know they you can capture it using cameras so it really depends on what you're trying to do. If you're playing Fortnite, all you be, need to be able to do, if you're doing it on a PC, is capture it, capture the screen, right? And right. you need a camera to shoot at you. So we have web cameras. Um, we have the you know $89 web cameras, all the way up to you know you know $1,000, $1,500 PTZ cameras that work over the network or USB. So there's really options for anybody's needs, depending on what you want to do.
0: So I guess the last question I have is, we've touched on this a little bit, knowing that it is different strokes for different folks and you don't necessarily need, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of equipment in your home to be able to have a really, really good esports setup. If an integrator is thinking, well, you know, my my bread and butter is, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of conference rooms or hanging line arrays in a a performance space. If I'm not going to be able to resell large amounts of product what is going to be making esports appealing to me if we're moving away from like esports arenas and things like that and it's more localized and more personalized and more scaled down and it's not going to be a million dollar deployment why would you say as a believer in esports that integrators should be paying attention to this what might be what might they be looking past in terms of an opportunity that esports presents to them
1: well like you're still going to have your arenas right you're still going to have that going on for tournaments and things but I think that people don't wanna have to do this. They don't wanna have to set this stuff up. If I can pay somebody, it's kinda like changing the oil in your car. I'm sure when you were younger, you didn't have a lot of money, so you changed the oil in your car because you you didn't wanna pay $40, $50 to go have somebody change it. Now that we're older and we have adult money and and jobs, Uh, I don't wanna change my oil anymore. Can I do it? Yeah, absolutely. I can do it, but do I want to do it? No. And I think a lot of these guys are in the same boat. Can they set all this stuff up? Yes, but they want a professional to do it because they want to focus on the game playing. They want to focus on what's making them, uh, win these tournaments, which is the gameplay, they want to put the hours and time into that, not figuring out what they need to make themselves look good or connect to a tournament. That's where these integrators, um, need to set their mindset on that that is what's going to make them the money if i can call up an integrator and say hey this is what i want to do these are the games that i'm streaming what kind of pc do i need what kind of camera this is what i'm thinking about i want to have something head on or you know what kind of microphone this is the type of room i have um or bandwidth even you know what kind of bandwidth do i need i want to stream 1080p i want to be able to do that while i'm playing these tournaments I want to have no problems with connection. These are the questions that these integrators need to be able to answer, or it's going to pretty much make them irrelevant. You're going to have these other guys that are probably already jumping on this. Um, You have to be versed in both areas because you're still going to have your in-person, but you can't put all your money in that. You can't bank on that. And I think that's what the pandemic has taught me and taught a bunch of other businesses that at any given moment, we could be in another pandemic. You don't know. And so you have to plan for in-person, but you also have to plan for remote. And I think if you stick with that mentality and you have that mentality going into this, I think you'll be fine. Because you, we could be completely wrong. We could say at the end of 2022, everything's back you know, as normal as we said before. Maybe 80% of the people are still in person, maybe. Mm-hmm we don't know we don't have a crystal ball unfortunately to tell us that but the the way i'm seeing it now is they're doing more and more remote even in schools for editing in the broadcasting class they're having the students go home and do it rather than sitting in the computer mall and doing it so it's trending more and more that we're gonna have this hybrid we'll call it that the hybrid uh esports setup
0: And I think the way that you framed it is exactly right. The integrator in that consultative role. And I think it probably is the case that a lot of people don't wanna have to do things themselves. I mean, I was just at the mechanic today. I needed a new battery. I didn't wanna do it myself. So they did it for me. Um, so I think that's probably exactly what a lot of people want and that consultative role is what integrators can do. Um, so I really appreciate it. Stephen. are there any further thoughts you would like to share with our audience before we wrap up the pod?
1: I mean, just keep, keep looking at everything with an open mind. Don't just take things as everything's going to go back to the way it was. You need to start. If you're doing this as a business, if you're an integrator. You need to explore your option, get out there in the forums, get it, hit the pavement in Facebook, get in some of these groups and see what the audience is saying. You might get all your answers just from there.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me on the AV Plus Podcast, Stephen. Again, so happy to have been joined by Stephen Haywood, who is broadcast engineer and product evangelist with PTZ Optics. My name is Dan Farisi, editor in chief of Commercial Integrator. And I look forward to hosting you again another time, Stephen, and welcome everyone back to the podcast next week.